All right, guys, welcome to uh, the Combat Veteran Breakdown. I, as always, am your host, Paul, and I'm here with uh, a very special guest dialing in from the other side of the world, Major Kill. Welcome. Ooh, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to my channel. Today, we're going to be doing a podcast for the U.S. <laughs> Army veteran. Is that, did I do the YouTube voice correct? That was, a good, that was a good YouTube voice. I really, I felt like yeah, I was watching a Major exactly. Kill video. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the first topic of the today we've got? Oh man, okay. So I gotta say, uh, I I'll just preface this. Uh, I as a I, I like your content as a Warhammer fan, but as a creator, I also really like your content because you do such a good job of being like like a knowledge creator, if that makes any sense, right? Like you're not doing stunts, you're not like jake pawing it up right you're here to like bring knowledge to people um but you've sort of parlayed that into like you bring in your personality uh you've got your your patreon your rule 34 patreon uh <laughs> we'll put the link in the description maybe <laughs> if, if, yeah. I, don't, I don't know <laughs> if spotify what spotify's rules are it's probably fine um but uh, yeah, the Warham the major kill minis, right? The, it not not Warhammer minis. Um, yeah, I just think it's really cool. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to share like uh, your your origin story, right? The I don't know the channel lore origin story, or or the major so, kill lore origin story, right? Yeah, when I was um, nine years old, coming out of a theater with my parents uh, down an alleyway. Uh, a mugger jumped out and shot my parents and then I don't know I fucked a bat and then here we are like it's <laughs> but no so I was like well I was like you know it'd be cool like you know fuck all these careers like fuck all like this you know doing nine to five intern for three years and which I was doing anyway but I was that's why I guess I was kind of like had a strong opinion about it I was like it would be cool to be a YouTuber um, and I was super into Warhammer as a kid when I was like, especially when I was like 10 to 12, but I grew up kind of like in an area or not necessarily an area, just around a group around of people that, you know, didn't really care about Warhammer. So I wasn't able to, you know, get immersed in the, the tabletop side. I wasn't able to kind of like have a buddy to paint with who I could like get good. So my old models are like, you know, absolutely hideous. Uh, I can't even find them probably for the best. Um, so it kind of stuck with me as a kid and then through school I didn't really think too much about it and then Total War Warhammer 1 came out which was like that huge renaissance of um, Warhammer where like all these people that used to be fans but kind of drifted away from it were pulled back to it because it was such an awesome game. And then it was actually a War Total War Warhammer 1 lore video which popped off initially and that was like the proof of concept. Uh, that kind of meant, okay, this works, I drilled down and then it just kind of kept growing and growing from there. But I would say that the thing that sets me apart from other channels that are like, okay, like we've been doing Warhammer lore for four years before you started and now suddenly you've got, you know, triple our subscribers, like what the fuck's up with that? It's because I can see, I love what I do, but what I do, it's a business, it's a company, it's a, there's a benchmarks, there's profit margins, there's all these things. So by, my, by me thinking, I need to make this succeed, and if it succeeds financially, it'll, or uh, sorry, the other way around, if it succeeds, you know, just in general, it'll also succeed financially, and it'll also succeed in all these other ways. So, um, and when you're doing this full time, 
if you were to let's say do like nine to six every day um just making content you could you could genuinely bust out two videos a day if you just know life it um but obviously you don't really want to do that you burn out or whatever so instead you direct that time and energy into other things other innovative ways to you know grow your channel make your channel more attractive and then monetize your channel as well so yeah there's this there's a short answer yeah no that's that's really interesting um because yeah it's one of the things that i mean i just i guess last month went full-time as a creator and it's funny to me how i really thought even when i was doing it part-time and i was like oh it's like a little extra money once i'm doing it full-time yeah, I you find yourself asking those questions like, okay, how can I grow to the next level? And, you know, it it becomes a business. Yeah, you're like signing contracts. I have an accountant now. I'm like, this is this is but if you have that mentality, like I think the growth the growth definitely comes. So like were there were there metrics that you had in mind? So like you were a kid and you were like, I, I really think I can do YouTube full time, or was there a point where you were like oh, this hobby, I can actually turn it into like a business. Yeah, I think the second one. So I was, I think 18 when I started the channel or something. If you go back to my old videos, you can definitely hear it in my voice. Um, but yeah, I, <clears throat> I was working full time and then doing the YouTube on top of that out of school because I couldn't be bothered going to uni. I thought it was a waste of time. So I was doing full time digital marketing intern. And then when, I, when I, I'd get home, you know, do my gym or whatever. And then I would just try and like make videos and research Warhammer and stuff. Um, and I had a bit of catch up to play because I obviously had taken a break from the hobby for, you know, since I was, you know, 12 to 18, you know, in that time I hadn't been reading Warhammer lore. I'd just been kind of doing other shit. So you'll notice in a lot of my early videos, I like the <laughs> They're not like the most well-researched <laughs> videos ever. So I've been like kind of learning as I've been growing to a point now where I'm like, okay, like, you know, I've read thousands of hours of Warhammer Law. I've read like all these books and stuff. Like I, I'm finally kind of um, there. But yeah, definitely at the start, I wasn't. But yeah, it was, um, it was the switch was when it was my third year of working full-time. Um, and I was doing my financials. I was like, wait a minute, I'm making the same amount of money from the YouTube than I am my full-time job. And YouTube was like 10 hours a week and my full-time job was like 50 hours a week. So I was like, all right, fuck this. If I just quit, um, if I just quit my uh, full-time job, theoretically, you know, it should. And it did, fortunately, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I, I remember having that same revelation in a month um, and being like, wait, what the? hell man like like i spend 10 hours a week on these videos like how how is it making more than my day job uh there was even one good month and some of it's because of taxes where i actually out earned my wife who's a psychiatrist and i was like yes breadwinner <laughs> it, it was december yeah. right when ad rates were like through the roof and sponsors yeah, were just like, like throwing christmas it's crazy yeah yeah, no, it's 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 wild. I also did not know about the seasonality. So like in January, I was like, where where's all the ad rates? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's um people think it's you know it's like you know one view equals zero point zero one cent or something. It is not like that at all. It is so dependent on your audience. Like I've got some friends that they're photographer YouTubers. 
quite successful. Like one of them's, you know, got over a million subscribers. And in ad revenue, even if they get triple my views in a month, their ad revenue will be like one fifth of mine because they've got the majority of their audience in India. So mm. advertisers don't want to pay for, you know, young Indians. They don't, that's, that's not a good demographic because they don't buy anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to buy like hectic shit from America to get shipped over. So whereas my audience, which is 16 to 34 year old male in EU and the US, they're considered like a key demographic. So for someone like me, ad revenue is actually a really powerful part of the income and actually makes up quite a lot of it. But I know for others, they have to completely find a different way to make money because that's just a dead end for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely been weird. Like I listened to a fair amount of like finance creator podcasts and apparently if finance demographics are like, Probably yeah, even, crazy. yeah, probably 10 times even what we see and, and yeah, you know, yeah. as, as, cause I'm in the same demographic, right? 18 to 34 year old men in the U S EU and Europe. Um, but yeah, it's, it's bananas just to know, just to see how also like how powerful the algorithm is that it can identify like such, not just like the types of people, but like you said, like I think Warhammer fans Right, they have disposable income because it's a, an expensive hobby. Yeah. So even if you're like, like if that's you know you've already separated Games Workshop has already separated them from some money, right? So advertisers yeah. are probably like, yeah, we can get more. Yeah. No, I would say the same. Uh, but yeah, about what you said, because I think my audience is roughly like the CPM of like four dollars, and I know that a business channel or a finance channel they can get like ten to twelve dollar CPM. Which is crazy because they get like, they get 10,000 views, which isn't, you know, a crazy amount. That's like over a hundred bucks US, which is pretty good. If you're doing that every day, getting just a little 10,000 views per day, you're making, you know, a full wage, a genuine, you know, a genuine wage just off that. So then those guys get bigger channels with like a million views and suddenly they're just absolutely rolling in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm part of a, a like a private YouTube discord just for like partnered YouTubers. And there's a couple of guys on there who were like, yeah, I'm a full-time creator. And like you said, they would have like 10 K views per video and they're doing like two or three videos a week. And I'm just like, this math doesn't make sense. And then I realized they were like crypto YouTubers and I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a huge range. Like, cause you only need, you know, there's a base level before you can, you know, you can live off your YouTube income and then, I think people don't really quite understand the whole how wide of a range it is. They'll just see the sub count and they think one sub equals one dollar or something, which is just not the case at all. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of creators that you're like, okay, you got three million subs, but you're you're not even pulling a hundred thousand views a video, and you're like, okay, like maybe you've just been around a long time, made a lot of content, maybe you had different content. But yeah, it's it's interesting that advertisers are starting to catch on. Like, okay, like sub the the sub count doesn't really matter. It's about the yeah. views you can you can get. Yeah, when influencer marketing first became a thing, it was like there would have been so much money just flushed down the toilet. Like, um, I know for a fact when I was working at my full time job, we did a campaign where we reached out to like fifty different influencers, and we basically gave them you know x amount of money, and we gave them a barcode and a landing page. And we said, do a Instagram post and an Instagram story, direct them to scan the barcode. 
We'll see what happens. I think there was like, out of the 50, I think there was like maybe three of them that netted a really powerful, strong result. And the rest of them was like, just shocking. And it, so it's interesting to see how the right influencer for the right campaign is a great idea. You'll make bulk cash, you'll, everyone's gonna be laughing. But unless you do your research, unless you actually pick the right one, it's just the biggest waste of time and money ever. Like some, sometimes people reach out to me, they're like, hey, do you wanna promote this product? And I'm like, no, because I know it won't get a good result and I'm just gonna feel bad about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I wish more advertisers, honestly, and maybe I should just ask for it, but I wish more of them shared conversion rates. Like some do, but mm. then some don't. And it's just like, okay, like, did you, did we convert a lot? Like sometimes they come back and I'm like, okay, must've done well, but I'm like, what's well? Right. But yeah. They probably don't want yet. to necessarily like hand that out because if you know, if you know what you made them, then you can ask for more, you know? Yeah. I think that might be my, yeah, my general um, vibe is, yeah, if they come back and they want to renew, which uh, yeah, I'm fortunate that I think most of the time they do, um, then yeah, you're like, yeah, okay, I guess I got them a pretty acceptable result. Yeah. And it's like, if you're happy with what they got, and, and sometimes I think too, it's like brand awareness, right? Like even if they don't convert on your ad, it's like if they get hit with two or three influencers or two or three creators that they follow and then they convert down the line, how do you quantify that? Yeah, for sure. So, so what did your parents think when you were like, I'm going to make videos for a living? They... I was doing it on the side. They thought it was like cool as like the, the side hobby I was doing. They're like, oh yeah, no shit. Like when we went out to, um, when I hit 10,000 subs, which is, you know, I guess a huge milestone, not in terms of total number, but in terms of just like proof of concept. Like I was saying before, like, look, if you can get 10,000 subs, you can get 100,000. If you can get 100,000, you can get a million, you know, at, at like eventually. Um, so they actually took me out to like a really nice expensive dinner, like at Crown Casino, which is this lovely place. And we had like champagne and stuff. And even though that was so small to where I am now, it meant, I guess, the, almost the most. It's like, so you, you, you understand. And, but so they thought it was cool. And then when I was going to make the change, they were kind of like, oh yeah, like go for it. They thought I was going to wait a bit longer. They were like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And they're like, okay. And then two days later, I handed in my resignation. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's um, good. Two, they're, two days. Well, yeah, they're, um, nah, they're, they're super proud of it because at the end of the day, it's, you know, I've built this thing. It's a registered company. Like, I, like you said, I've got an accountant now. I've got all these projects. I've worked with all these people. I've sunken money into all these, like, you know, Warhammer artists, these animators. So I feel like, you know, I feel like I've just been like a positive thing all around um, what I've done and they're proud of me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really cool because this is like a new, I mean, this is like a new economy, you know, and this is a new like niche to occupy. So yeah, like initially I remember my, my parents and I, I think it hit a little different in both good and bad ways when I, told them because one like i'm 35 right they know they're like i'm not gonna do something stupid right like i'm not gonna yeah. be like i'm gonna drop out and become a rock star i mean like you should learn to play guitar first you know so yeah. they were like okay like this can't be that crackpot because paul's doing it 
Um, but they were, I remember my mom just being like, what exactly is your relationship to like YouTube as a company? Uh, which was actually, I think like a fair question if you don't know. Um, and even if you are a creator that gets big and doesn't understand like, okay, how exactly does YouTube pay you? What is your payout rate? Like what other ways can you monetize? Um, but yeah, I remember it, it was, they were like skeptical, a little skeptical, I'd say a little skeptical. It was kind of like, like when you're a kid and you're playing video games and you're trying to explain to your mom what you're doing and your mom is like, I'm glad you're having fun, honey. I don't understand anything you just told me. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I, feel, I guess I feel the same about, you know, TikTok creators up and coming. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm like what the hell because it's because the youtube i guess it kind of makes sense you got the 10 minutes in the 10 minutes you know you got ads play you got your sponsored segment you can promote shit tiktok you can't really well i don't know i don't use tiktok because i'm not like you know depressed or anything <laughs> but i um that's you can't really put in sponsored segments and ads into short form content people will click away and you'll get punished and then i was talking to you know West Hammer? Have you heard of West Hammer? The name is sort um, of familiar. So he's a huge Warhammer TikToker. He's got over 700,000 followers and he's he's recently moved to YouTube and he's reposting all of his TikToks for, as YouTube Shorts mm. and in one month he's gained over 200,000 subscribers. Wow. So it's it's, it's yeah, it's pretty bonkers. Um he's a he's been like messaging me and shit. We've been chatting and I was curious, I was like, you know, how, how does the business model look like with TikTok? You know, you know, on paper, you've got over double my followers, you're getting, you know, quadruple my views, all this short form content. But he, and he was saying, he's like, yeah, look, they just don't pay like much. They just, it's like, look like there's, with YouTube, one video might have three ads. With TikTok, 20 videos might only have one ad in between. So it's like that one ad's been like, it doesn't even go to the creator. TikTok has to pay them manually as some kind of partner program. And it's not a whole lot. So it's interesting to see how, like we're saying before, the numbers don't always matter in terms of like who's got the highest kind of count. Um, but he, he might be a good one to talk to. He's like a pretty, he's like the new kid on the block, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, would, I think that would be really fun actually to talk to like somebody who got big on TikTok because what was I listening to? Some other, I, I I don't know. I've been on a podcast binge, but I um, there's somebody who was oh, it was an article profile in a TikToker house, and I was like shocked at the fact that like a lot of these people are just like, you come up as a 16 year old kid dancing in your living room in Des Moines, you some like yeah. scuzzy management company kind of brings you in and is like, oh, we'll put you up in this TikToker house, and they like make content for a year, and then the algorithm moves on, and they're back in Des Moines like having yeah. made a bunch of money but the management took a cut they paid rent on the la house uh, and they're like back to broke and the smarter ones are always the ones who seem to always say like i need to be off tiktok like as as fast as possible or like i need to convert my audience to other streams as fast as possible because yeah that's what that's what west ham is doing he's like i need to get the fuck off tiktok <laughs> like not i guess not off it but he's like yeah like I feel like I'm I'm fighting against time. I need to get onto YouTube. I need to get long form content pumping, and then I can so then I can actually you know, like actually live off it. Um, cause yeah, I actually I want to cause you, you make a good point about how you know, 
the I guess the there's this huge kind of mental thing, um, almost like a mental illness with YouTubers where once they've passed kind of like their peak and it's just downhill, dude, they get so depressed. And I've seen it with a few Warhammer YouTubers, and it's just yeah. Like, what's your experience with that? Like when someone they feel like they're they've they're, they've blown up, they're growing, they're killing it. And then, you know, they don't innovate or people move on or they, you know, they lose their special source and people move on and they're left there with, you know, 100,000 subscribers and barely any of them view. Have you seen that? Have you heard of that? I mean, I, I haven't. I've seen, I've seen some YouTubers that, uh, that appears to have been their trajectory. Um, I don't know them personally, so I don't want to, like, call them out on the podcast. Um, I, I will tell you, like, that is, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a fear of mine but there's a there's an old myth I, I think it's a myth i don't think it's true but in ancient rome right when a general would come back and he'd march through the like the like you know triumphal arch with like his prisoners and his legions and they would have somebody follow him around and just be like all this is temporary man all this is temporary just like keep keep your keep your head on your shoulders big guy and I always kind of like that because I always try to like keep that voice there to be like, listen, dude, you're a media player and like the media space changes all the time. And like if you're not working on the next thing, you'll get left behind. And the truth is like things think like this isn't going to last forever. Whatever, whatever this is will be replaced with the metaverse or super TikTok or something we can't even conceive of. And so to me, the question is always like, like, I don't want to say make as much money now as possible, but like, enjoy it while it lasts. You know, I told, I told my coworkers when I quit, I'm like this, I'm looking at this, like being drafted into the NFL or like, you know, the premier league where you're like, maybe, maybe I'll get one or two seasons and then I'll blow out my ACL and I'll have a cool story about the time I was a full-time YouTuber, or maybe I'll be a 20 season vet making millions. And it's like, I'm just going to go in and go all in and do what I can. And then the other side is I'm trying to position myself in a way that, um, if I don't like if the, the brand or the, you know, combat veteran paw brand sort of like, diminishes that i've got other sources of income set up um you know i'm looking at like buying a rental property uh ha launching like some of my own sort of products that i think can sell on their own without me so i'm just that's sort of my mentality it's just like don't believe like the, the good times that'll they, they never last forever just like the bad times you know so i just try to yeah, stay cognizant I think, yeah I think your mentality towards it is actually ace. That is like the perfect mentality because there's people that they go in and I don't want to name names, but if you look on fucking Twitter, you'll see a few creators, you know, every second day, they're like, oh, ha ha, my views are down. Ha ha ha. I want to fucking shoot myself. Like if you read between the lines, that's what it is. And because they've, they've gone in with no plan B, they've gone in, oh, wow. I'm suddenly getting views and stuff and they don't consider, okay, what happens if the YouTube was to be deleted tomorrow? Like, what the fuck would I do? Um, and it sucks to think about, but it's, you know, or not even deleted, just becomes irrelevant. And it sucks to think about, but you have to because when it does happen and you're not prepared, you're just going to get depressed and 
and you won't have any fail safes, you know, positioned. Like I'm in the same boat. I'm trying to diversify my income as much as possible so that, you know, if I was banned from YouTube overnight, I'd be like, okay, I've still got the Patreon for a little while where I deal with that. Um, you know, I've got the, I can kind of move the, uh, the mini business more to a, its own contained entity and use paid marketing to keep selling. So yeah, I think that's like the best mentality that I wish, I think, I wish more people had, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, actually, my wife and I are fans of, of this guy, uh, Spencer Cornelia, who does like scam, exposing like scams, like crypto scams and stuff. But he also talks a lot about and really transparently about his finances as a YouTuber. And he, yeah, is just like, again, he's also a real estate guy and he was a real estate guy before. And he's like, listen, this money's great. Like, I've got it while I got it. He's like, I just want to put it places where it's going to make more money. Um, because, yeah, he has that mentality of just like, yeah, it could it could go away at any time for any reason. You know, he could get sued, right? Games Workshop could decide that they're tired of, of seeing their properties on YouTube full stop. You know, the algorithm could be like, hey, man, you use, you use too much of existing content and, and we're just demonetizing everything. So it's a risk I think every creator runs. Um, so, okay, so you talked about the minis. You talked about the Patreon. Uh, is there other stuff where you're like, in the future, you want to diversify into? Um, at the moment, I'm not really thinking about bringing another element in uh, to the already, because I've, I've got my, I guess, my direct YouTube income. I've got my Patreon. I've got the minis. And then I got sponsors that are kind of tied into the, direct. Um, so they're my four sources. I want to develop the minis and the Patreon more so that I'm actually in the process of getting a new website developed. Um, and I'm actually turning the Magical website. Well, I'm going to keep the Magical website. I'm going to make an entire subsidiary company just for the minis. The mm. website's going to be very like much more geared towards, uh, you know, the, you know, it'll be a lot more compatible with Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and it'll actually have places for other creators if they want to get minis made but they can't be screwed stuff like you know buying 3d printers and becoming a commercial seller i can host their minis i can fulfill their mini orders all they do is get pay some guy 500 bucks to create the 3d model and then i'll do everything else because i've got i've got the commercial agreements for sending i've got the infrastructure i've got everything so you know if i get another if i get three creators doing that and let's say they're pulling in I don't know, 100 orders a month and then I've got my one and I'm doing, I don't know, like 300, 400 orders a month and then suddenly, you know, you're getting 800 to 1,000 orders a month which is equating to, you know, a little business making 20 to 40 grand a month as a subsidiary, you know, that's pretty fucking good. And then, like I said, if the YouTube does go kaput, I've got that on the side, that'll, I'll be able to grow more because I'll be like, all right, fuck it, I'll just put all my energy into that. So that's yeah. one thing I'm growing. And then there's another thing which I haven't announced yet, but it could be pretty awesome. And it has a lot to do with all this random cosplay shit behind me that I keep spending tons of money on the Philippines for. So, <laughs> Well, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. So I, all right. Well, now I'm, now I'm really curious, but you know, obviously don't, you know, don't announce it here, right? Get the, it'll be, it'll be, it pretty, it'll be pretty awesome. It'll be awesome. I'm very excited. That's cool. Yeah. It might get me banned, but it'll be so worth it. Like, 
If I'm going to go down, that's how I want to go down. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? If Sometimes it's like controversy sells, you know? So not that not that losing well, yeah. your channel would be good, but, you know, a little, a, an appropriate amount of controversy. No, nah, I think it'd be all right. Well, it, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I won't, I won't say anything. All right. You'll be the, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, do you want to, so tell me about your, like what, I guess your relationship with Warhammer is or why you found it interesting or how long you've kind of been messing around with it. Uh, so I, okay. So when I started doing YouTube, I was making totally unrelated outdoor, like camping content and it like never took off. Um, but at one point I became so bothered by the fact that like, I couldn't make the, the outdoor content work that like initially I was like, oh, I just want to camp and I'll happen to make these YouTube videos. And then it, after two years, I was like, no, I'm going to be successful on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I was like, okay, let me try these like breakdowns, this like, this like very in-depth breakdown concept, you know, cause I have a lot of tactical experience. I have a master's degree in like they call national security studies. So I know a lot about a lot. And I initially tried to do content that, like logic would tell you would be good content for someone like me. So like call of duty missions, are they realistic? Um, but when I did the breakdown of Astartes, people like lost their minds and like loved it or like sort of rage watched it where they're like, no, you don't understand a space Marines more like a tank than an infantryman. Like yeah. you don't know. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, oh, people yeah, were just fucked. like, <laughs> The hardcore fans are wild, dude. Oh yeah, dude, they're <laughs> fucked. Every yeah, the comment section's always like, "Well, actually," I'm like, "Dude, shut the fuck up. Go play with your little plastic toys, like I am." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not above. I'm not above deep lore, man. I was a Star Wars kid back in the day. Like, I get wanting to know everything about everything, but sometimes you're like, "Man." You spent a lot of your day crafting this comment to be really negative to like try yeah. to roast me and it's like there's you can see there's 16,000 other comments there like I what wh what did you even I mean I I don't know I shouldn't I shouldn't talk too much smack because the engagement's good but <laughs> but yeah that's that's actually what got me into the the franchise was the Astartes breakdown and you know when everyone's like you're wrong about everything you're like okay well let me watch more videos and like learn more get paid you know and uh yeah, I got, I mean, I did, I got really into it. I think the lore is really cool because it's like, it's the most, it's, well, it's not realistic, but it, the people in it are as real as I've seen people behave in like a, in like a science fiction-y franchise, you know, like Star Wars, right? Darth Vader is bad. He's bad because he wears all black and he has a cape and he chokes people and that makes him bad. And like, he doesn't do anything good because he's a bad guy. And that's how like most fiction franchises are. And it sort of annoys me because in the real world, no one thinks they're a bad guy, right? Everyone in their universe is just like, yes, this is like, I'm, I'm the good guy. I'm the hero of this story. And I think Warhammer captures that. And I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, I think, I think Warhammer lore is fucking awesome. And it's so good that that's like the topic I guess I ended up landing on because 
it's so vast and there's so many characters and there's so many things to talk about that you pretty much have, I pretty much have unlimited content. I don't know, like every time I think, oh, I'm out of video ideas, I'll do like a five minute brainstorming session. I would have come up with like six more ideas. Um, and then you look at, I guess, like Star Wars or Halo channels and you can tell, man, especially the older ones, they are struggling for lore because it's like, there's a few, I guess there's a few books, uh, there's the movies, there's the video games they've got, but it's like, yeah, I don't know, like Warhammer's got 10 times more books, it's got all this codex shit, it's got all this fucking, it's got all these things spanning dozens of years with such a heavy focus on the lore, and then, you know, Star Wars and Halo have like a couple handful of comics, and like, you know, and then Star Wars made like most of their lore not canon, so it's... It would be so frustrating. You can see that um, these days, like, have you heard of Star Wars theories? Uh, Star Wars theory. He's like, I think he's like the biggest Star Wars content creator. Star Wars theory. He's like uh, um, 3 million subscribers. Oh, wow. But so he's like pretty big. Yeah. But you can see like um, he's really kind of struggling. Like at 3 million, his views, he's like doesn't often crack. 100k that much anymore and when he does it's because he's doing um topical relevant content like reacting to the book of boba fett Mm. scene or something you know what i mean it's not like diving into past lore that was established 10 years ago like everything's so like recent and relevant which is because it's like he that's all he has left he has to kind of like rely on the setting getting constantly updated and renewed. Whereas with Warhammer, I feel like, you know, a bomb could go up at GW's headquarters and kill everyone tomorrow and there'd still be like a few more years of videos I could make. Um, not that sales a bit dark or something, but, you know, let's say that if they just ceased, there'd be all this content. But if Star Wars or Halo just suddenly ceased their shit, these channels would be dead within a month. Um, and you see it with um, Total War channels, a great example. Nothing dies like a Total War dedicated channel. They are literally all of them either dead or borderline dead. And it's like every time there's a release, it's like this like trickles of water (laughs) coming down this like dry dam and they're all pushing each other out the way to try and lick the fucking dry riverbed. Like because they're just so dependent on releases and content. And that is, in my opinion, the worst position to be in. Um... Because it's, yeah, you're like, your success and income is dependent on, it's completely out of your hands almost. Yeah, it's, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be a terrible position to be in just to be like, like I can imagine being a Star Wars, a Star Wars lore, like YouTuber, and then getting hit with the fact when they're like the whole expanded universe, like 500 plus books, no longer canon, throw them in the shredder. You're just like, damn, that is rough. Yeah, that is, it is a huge L. Um, and I guess they can still make content on them, but yeah, at the end of the day, like, uh, uh, something else I will say is Warhammer fans are so much more dedicated to Warhammer than Star Wars fans are to Star Wars. Because, and my biggest opinion on that is the fact that to be a genuine Warhammer fan, you have to put up, like, a couple grand <laughs> on, the, on the minis and, and shit. Like, it's fucking expensive as. So you form a deeper attachment, Especially if you paint like a mini, you're like, holy shit, I painted this dude, I like sat down, I could have done something else, but I chose to just like sit down and like paint this little guy. 
and then you form a bond with it because of the time and money you've spent and then you know you go and you play on tabletop or with him or you just display him somewhere um and you form a much stronger bond rather than a star wars fan someone be like oh yeah i love star wars like i see the movies in cinema you know they spend 20 bucks on a movie ticket for you know for two hours of viewing and then like oh that's cool so i think to be a war- genuine warhammer fan means a lot more in that regard than to be a star wars fan which i, I think why despite you know star wars being loved by i guess 100 times more people you know the star wars lore channels they, they've got bigger audiences, but the views and stuff are comparable to Warhammer Lore channels because it's like quality over quantity in terms of audience. Yeah, it's definitely, inter- it's definitely fascinating the way like you can, if people commit to things, then like emotion, like if they physically commit to something, they emotionally commit as well. It's like if you commit to painting this, this little space marine for six hours, like you're you're gonna end up invested in that chapter or that group like you you just can't help it right it's some sort of weird thing that goes on in our brains where like the more you labor for something the more valuable it it becomes to you so okay yeah definitely so i i i in my analytics whenever i do a podcast and whenever i talk about relationships or dating which is not the focus of my channel, the analytics go nuts, which is problematic because I'm married, right? I, 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 yeah. I, have, I, have, I have no drama whatsoever, right? We have, we have chickens. We have chicken drama. That's the best I can offer. Um, so if you don't want to talk about it, don't. don't, don't uh... no, that's fine. Yeah, no. It's um, funny. It's, it's not often you go from talking about Warhammer to relationships. You know, they're, they're almost like opposing forces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, the one like, oh, a Warhammer fan who has a girlfriend or dates. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, okay. Are you single, I guess, is, is the... <laughs> Oh my god! You're actually home single. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, you, don't, um, you don't have to answer. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to put you or anyone um, else on the no, spot. It's good, you know. The, it's good, you know. The the ninety nine percent of guys watching this, you know, they it's they they can know that Major Kill is a single guy. Um, by by um choice, I guess at the moment because I'm fucking I'm young. I'm like. Like for me, I've got like a crazy high standard of someone to date because I dated someone for like a year and a half a couple of years ago, and I did it because I was felt like I needed to date someone, and it kind of sucked. And I was like, all right, fuck this. Like next person I date, genuine path to marriage, which I don't think is like an unreasonable thing. You know, you're like, what's the point of dating something with an expiration date? You know, it just kind of puts like it taints the whole relationship because um, you're always kind of thinking, all right, when am I done with you? Um, but no, like, yeah, I, I don't know what questions that nah, I just, come from it, but I'm I get just, my dick wet a lot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm so I'm curious because, like, I didn't make a single YouTube video until I was date, like, until after I was dating my wife. So, like, what? I mean, how do like women respond when it's like? So, I guess, do you put do you put that you're a YouTube content creator in like your dating profile? Is that something that comes out later? Is it something you don't like to share because it colors them like positively or negatively? I don't know. What's that like overlap kind of look like? It's actually, it actually is like, it it is interesting. Like, like the fact that 
because the YouTube is super interesting. Like not many people do it. You bring it up, people are like, wow, that's like you're, you do YouTube. Like they're genuinely curious. And fortunately in Melbourne where I'm from, um, people not the people that do it there's people that do it everywhere but no one's like really social climbing as much like they don't hear oh you do youtube and then they're like what can i get out of him let's fake it they if they're interested they're actually kind of interested like oh that's a cool thing let's talk about that um and i found that when i first started it first started growing i was almost embarrassed by it because i was like fuck like oh my god warhammer like like warhammer doesn't get the bitches (laughs) and the problem was is it wasn't Warhammer was the problem. It was the way I would kind of like, if they asked about it, I'd explain it in like a way, in like a way that as if I was embarrassed when I didn't need to be. So it kind of made them think it was embarrassing because I was embarrassed about talking about it. Mm. But now as I kind of grew up, got more mature, I got more secure, like, um, and like kind of more in love with what I do. It's actually the opposite where they'll be like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, this is my channel. This is what I do. Yeah, it's Warhammer. Have you heard of Warhammer? It's fucking sick. And they're like, oh, is that like the painted things? I'm like, yeah, it's the painted things. <laughs> like, and then, yeah, we all talk about it and they love it because it's the energy I give off when I talk about it. Um, but I don't, um, I've, have, I've never linked my Instagram to my YouTube. So my Instagram isn't like huge. It's just like a normal um, size. Uh, I don't really like Tinder or Hinge that much. I don't know. If I'm going to, I'm more of like a DM on Instagram kind of guy. I just mm. kind of like slide in, re- re- reply to stories and just uh, like, I'll always ask them to drinks like super quick. It'll be like a couple of messages. Hey, do you want to get drinks this week? Because it's like, it's like fail fast policy. You either win fast or fail fast. Like just biggest fucking waste of time talking to someone for like three weeks. Then you're like, oh my gosh, ask them out for a date. It's like, no, just fucking, you want to see him? Just message him. If they say no, good. You can move on to the next one. If they say yes, awesome. You got a date. So I actually got a date tonight doing that exact strategy. So it's, uh, it's proven. Nice. Um, but I think it's all about just confidence and passion. If you're confident and you love what you do and you're passionate about what you do, it doesn't matter what you do, they will also think it's cool and they will like it. It's all about energy. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's funny. I, I, again, remember I've, I've been with my wife for six and a half, seven years. So like, Recent enough that like we we met on Tinder. Um, I think from what everyone says said, Tinder has gotten way substantially worse just for everything. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, I think that the like yeah, there, there's a lot of just like there's a lot of weird shit, um, and I think just like people women people i think people in general like if you're more secure about who you are and what you're doing then like they're just gonna go with it sort of sort of like how you can walk into like if you have a reflective vest and a ladder you can walk into any building on earth people are just like this dude looks like he's doing hard work like who am i to question him you know yeah yeah because it does sound like a cop-out to say to people oh man, just be confident, da, da, da. And it does sound like a cop-out because it's easy. It's like, oh yeah, why didn't anyone tell me? All right, ready? Confident. You know what I mean? It's not how it works. Um, but it, it, the reality is if you kind of just do it, do anything confidently, and not necessarily confidently, but securely, because you know those, like I guess those cringy texts people post on Reddit, like look how cringe this is. It's always someone who's like second-guessing themselves. 
you know, and they, they like vocalize it and they think by vocalizing all the insecurities, I don't know, the girl will take pity on them or something, but it's like, no, she just thinks you're a fucking weirdo. Like you just go in. And the thing is, if you get rejected, which happens to everyone, take it really well. Be like, no worries at all. Have a lovely one. Da da da. No stress. And then down the track, I almost guarantee that if you're still in contact with them, like three months later, a year later, you'll probably find them like riding your dick. I don't know. I found that multiple times where someone who, for whatever reason at the time, zero interest in me, like, I, I, I don't usually put myself in a position where I get rejected because I can read body language or I can get the vibe and be like, okay, they're not really into me right now. I'm not going to like lean in or do something weird. Um, but yeah, and then I might bump into them at the beach like six months later, have a chat. I don't know, maybe... I'm like halfway through my shred with a tan and they're like, oh, this guy looks pretty good. And then bam, like that weekend it's on and I'm just laughing because it's like, this is someone that I knew like no chance with, but I just was kind of like in the back of my head, like, yeah, maybe. Um, so I, yeah, I think take like, take an L with grace, read body language. If you don't think they're into you and you're not like retarded, then they're probably not into you at the time. And just, yeah, just go along with it like that and obviously shave and have good hygiene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> also, also need to, need to put that in for the, the, yeah. the especially, <laughs> people who are especially, you know, committed to painting for 12 hours a day. Like a, a shower yeah, yeah, before just, you yeah. go out goes a long way. Yeah, brush your teeth, you know. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah, bitches love good teeth. <laughs> But yeah, Indeed. I don't know. That's that's my advice on it. That's what I've found. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I mean, I've I've just noticed. So when I was in the military, right? The military has this. Everything is a dick measuring contest, and it, it's a function. I think of the fact that you have a bunch of like a bunch of people. You give them like authority and rank and and guns. And like, it's gonna, it's just <laughs> how it guns. is. <laughs> you just get turned into a dick measuring contest. And I was yeah. always the guy who was just like, listen, man, every friend can do something for me. So like, you know, I wasn't like, you do me a favor, I do you a favor. I was just like, hey, whether, whether I can help you or not, I'm gonna do you a solid. I'll help you out as best I can. I'm just like, just goodwill, right? Just put out as much goodwill into the, the universe as you can. And it always surprised me how much that returned back to me by just being like even if it's just reputationally like somebody told somebody told somebody who's like oh yeah i heard i heard you were a solid dude i heard you would look out for us and i'm like well you heard right like what do you need yeah. and when you need something it's like people are are climbing over themselves to help you out and i mean i think it's a little bit of the same principle you're talking about with dating where it's like you know if you are just classy and put out good vibes through a whole interaction, the, 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 it's not karma, right? It's like a real thing, but like, it'll circle back around. You're never worse off by having people walk away from dealing with you and having this like positive, positive interaction or positive sense of who you are. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, um, it's almost like that delayed gratification thing where I think some people like if they don't get what they want straight away, they just rage and they just only think of the present and they don't realize the fact that they've blown something that could have easily happened a few months in the future. Because a few months might sound like a while, but I guarantee when those few months pass and then you're getting laid, you know, you won't be mad about it. You'd be like, well, this is happening now because, you know, the future is now the present. 
Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think the biggest one is people just need to learn how to read body language and shit. Because like, I feel yeah, uh, people. I think people hail Mary it too much. They, <laughs> it's pretty obvious when she wants to, when she's interested in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's definitely the. The, the the number of people who like can't read cues are always just like oh, man yeah. please like i'm i'm cringing and i just have to watch you from from across the bar like this is hard i mean we do my wife and i will sometimes when we go out and we'll see people like a couple together and we'll try to play like are they on a first date how's the date going like and it's oh, yeah, so yeah. funny when you can see one person is like ready to leave from the second they sit oh. down it's so i mean it's it's both it's hard to watch but you can't look away when she's like on her phone she'll like sit in a way that she's almost like ready to stand up at at, the, at a moment's notice yeah. and almost that's always the, the yeah. guy is oblivious <laughs> yeah that's the thing as a guy as well you, sometimes you also gotta be ready to just cut your losses just be like yeah you, you have a date if the girl's fucking sucks on her phone being rude Sometimes you can just straight up be like, uh, okay, I'm fucking out of here and just get up, pay the bill or pay your half of the bill and walk out. Huge power play. You'll feel way better doing that than you would just sitting there having the worst date ever and then getting ghosted. Like if you like, that's it. Sometimes it, you don't, you don't be like a dick about it, but sometimes you just got to just stand up for yourself and I guess not be a simp. You know, you just kind of got to, be like fuck this i'm better than this i'm not gonna like have this disrespect because even if you're not enjoying a date let's say like there's a base level of respect be like you know what i'm not gonna see this person again but we're here now we'll have good conversation we'll enjoy the time i'll give them you know obvious hints and cues that you know i'm not super into it but i'm not gonna just be on my phone like i don't know texting some guy that i'm gonna go fuck after like so yeah it's uh, always it goes both, it goes both ways yeah i mean i think like you said it's a lot of it is just like insecure insecurity you know because I, I i think if you if you have something about yourself that you are proud of outside of like dating and and getting laid then like you have the ability to sit there and, and like take rejection and be like yeah of course like n no kidding right she wasn't feeling me or you know whatever and if you can but you have to like be secure in yourself and i think for a lot of guys it's like if you if you're young you don't have like anything under your belt that you're proud of that you've accomplished you know like i mean you've got you're a you're a you're a, a youtuber man like the dream that most kids aspire to have um i mean i just even remember coming back from deployment and just being like man like it's like so many dates i would just be like I want to get the fuck out of here like i don't need this yeah. like just the amount of and even just like sometimes guy drama and gym drama i was like yo dude i don't want to deal with this and just like the, my ability to like stand up for myself and just be like this is this is not something that i want to be a part of and just being like this is a waste of my time and being secure enough in myself to do that like i remember being like yeah oh where did i pick this up and it's it's because i had yeah. done something else that was really hard you know yeah no you've actually yeah you've hit the nail on the head because I was thinking about the same thing, but I don't really know how to explain it where I feel like you know you're secure and mature when your tolerance for taking shit is just super low. Like you're not going to take people's shit. Like you're not going to like be like, oh, it's fine. Like if someone's 
being like a disrespectful shithead, if someone's wasting your time, if someone's trying to fuck you around, like a, a less secure, less confident, less mature person would kind of be like, mm, they'd kind of take it because, you know, they don't know how to stand up for themselves or, you know, let's say their friend's been an asshole. They kind of let it happen because, oh, he's my friend, you know, or, you know, what if I'm scared of, you know, him not wanting to hang out with me or him not thinking I'm cool. And then I find um, now it's just like, if you're being a toxic piece of shit, I'm going to drop you like a sack of potatoes. Like there was this guy, obviously no names or anything, but this happened super recently. Um, really close, well, was a really close friend of mine, known him for years, we going out um, a lot lately, like, you know, silly January, have a lot of fun. And I plus one him to a party and he got himself into a really awkward situation. I don't really get much into it, but he felt really humiliated by this joke, I guess, that went kind of wrong. And he was like, uh, I was like, oh, dude, like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, this happened. I was like, man, don't worry about it. Let's just enjoy our night. And he's like, no, fuck you. Don't dismiss my feelings. Like, like, starts yelling at me. I'm like, whoa, all good, man. Sorry, all good. And I, I was like, all right, I'll just let it slide. You know, he's pretty fucked up and drunk. I'll give him a chance. And then later in the night, as I was like saying goodbye, he's like, mate, I want to see your fucking face. Like, jog on, fuck off. Like, da -da. I was just like, what the fuck? So I was just like, mate, you really need to grow up. And, he, and then I said that to him and he raged even harder. So I went home and I was just like, this guy's fucking done. Like, delete. And it's sad because, you know, you got a friend from years. But I'm also not going to take that shit. And he'd never apologize. And when I actually bumped into him again at a thing, he was trying to be like, no, you were the abusive one. Like, I was the victim. I was just like, get out of my face before I fucking smack you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, okay, if you're the abusive one, then you did him a favor. You removed yourself like from his life, right? Like, I uh, know. Well, he's like, I was like, how was I the abusive one? He's like, oh, you told me to grow up. I'm like, was that before or after you told me to get out of your fucking face <laughs> and fuck off out of the own party that I plus one you to? Like, it was ridiculous. But that's, and that shit happens. And I noticed that, you know, a younger version of myself would just be like, oh, you know, he's really fun. You know, he takes me to places, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to swallow it up. I'm going to apologize, even though I know he was the one that, you know, was this toxic, abusive gaslighter. I'm going to cop it. But I'm like, fuck that, man. I've got, I've got way better friends elsewhere, you know. <laughs> it's not, like, if you're going to treat me like that, then you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple of friends. I mean, I, like, I don't even call them friends now. They were like people I would hang out with and... Like, I, I guess I thought they were, they weren't even like cool. I don't know. They were just like friends, you know, that I, they hung out with. And I remember at one point realizing like they would, they were just sort of, it's hard to explain. They were just like not morally good people. Like one of them, yeah, yeah. one of them tried to harass a family living above him in an apartment, right? So like a small apartment, they obviously had two kids and they would, be kids run around make noise well he was so mad he's like i'm gonna try to get them evicted and i remember being like i don't want to spend time with you dude like you're a bad person and like yeah you're right it's gonna be a little inconvenient for our friend group but i was like i'm taking this moral stance dude like you can't be a good person and also f try to force a family out onto the street because their kids made noise on a saturday morning like go pound sam buddy and it was, yeah. yeah, I don't know if like younger Paul would have been like, oh, let me just let that slide. He's going to do his own thing or like talk behind his back and be like, oh, he's, I don't like what Nick did with this and that. Now I'm just like, whatever, bro. Like, 
you know what you you do you but like i don't have to be i don't have to waste my time like my time is more valuable than to spend it with someone who i don't think is like a good person you know 100 percent. yeah so okay the other topic that i did want to cover is uh the fitness stuff right i saw i saw in one of your videos that you're uh doing jujitsu now or how long have you been training yeah so i've been doing that i actually got my after fucking so many covid delays i got my blue belt i think the other weekend dude congrats um, that's what's thank up thank you man yeah i love it because yeah i think for i guess people watching with jujitsu they take the belts pretty seriously it's not like karate where they're like you get a belt you get a belt you know fucking i remember i was i think i was black belt karate when i left i still don't know how to throw a proper punch so um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, for for but, context, in jujitsu, the the rule of thumb is usually about a decade of steady training to get to a black belt, right? Unless you're like a prodigy yeah. of some kind. And um, that even that decade is like, that's even like quick, you know, for a black belt. Like, you know, you're looking at some people look at you know fifteen, twenty years. Some people more than that. I know the uh, the assistant coach of the gym I'm at. And he's like a weapon. And obviously gyms are different with how they give it out, but he's like a, a murderer, assistant coach, really good at jits. And after he just got his black belt after 15 years. Um, and I think the blue, I think the blue belt, you know, can take, you know, two to five years, depending on training, depending on the gym. Um, so it was good. It, it, ha it took me a lot longer because there was the two year COVID break in the middle, which sucked. Cause I was gonna, I was supposed to get my blue at my old gym the weekend of lockdown and then i moved gym like when lockdown ended and then you know we were training up to for our blue belt and there's another lockdown because obviously you can't go from lockdown straight into a grading because the grading's hardcore they beat the fuck out of you especially the gym i'm at mm -hmm. so it was just it was such a fiesta but i've got it um and I, it's good i feel like i've i've earned it you know what i mean like i've done tournaments i've won all the tournaments i've ever done um at white belt so i was like right it's time to move on um so it's good and actually the first training session is a blue belt i almost broke my ankle so oh shit <laughs> yeah i was rolling against this purple belt and um legend he's like a cop and it was a great role like he submitted me i submitted him we're going hard last minute um he like i'm sprawled out on him but he gets his hand behind my legs and does kind of like a double leg because we're already on the ground my ankle got like left behind oh, as my no. body folded over it. Oh, I was terrible. And I heard a crack and I swear I saw it like flick out, like fucking, and I was like, please don't be broken. I'm going to fucking LA in one week. I don't want to be walking around in a moon boot. Uh, and fortunately, it's just like the mother of all sprains. Um, I'm still got a bit of a limp, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was my first ever jujitsu injury in all the years I've been doing it. Um, well, that's that, and that's why I think it's important because like jujitsu, it's pretty not injury prone. I don't know, like, I guess you can get injured, but if you condition yourself, I don't think you will often. Yeah, I. So they say in most sports, and I think jujitsu is true to true to form for this, is the most dangerous time is the first eighteen months you do the sport, right? Because you don't know how to safely train it, you can't recognize when you're in danger. Um, just like submissions right there's a lot of times when you're new just like you you don't know when you're about to get submitted or when you're about to get you know arm barred mm. or wrist locked or choked 
um, doubly true with the leg stuff, right? Because it's just a lot of, it doesn't take much leverage to pop something in a leg. Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't. And so yeah. like, yeah, I think, I think if you're young and you're respect the sport for the first 18 months, like the chances of injury, like the chances of like capital I injury, right? Drop tremendously. Yeah. You'll always be sore. You're always going to have one sorest part of your body. I think that's, yeah. that's just reality, but the chances of really getting injured, like drop, I think quite a bit. Knock on, yeah, knock no, on. There's, you, there's, you see, yeah, you see like probably, yeah, the worst is probably two white belts that have been training for like a month. So they, 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 they're not so like tentative. They don't know what the fuck's going on. But they also don't know what the fuck's going on. But they kind of think they do, and they just like kick the shit out of each other. And that's it's always kind of funny to watch. And it's funny to roll against them because they're like they have no concept of energy conservation, or <laughs> so they're going all out. And you're just like sitting there almost laughing, and they blow their whole load in thirty seconds, and then you just absolutely destroy them. And you're like, this is why you know, you breathe through the nose, breathe out the mouth, you know, like. Um, but our gym's good, my new one. They they always go like in free rolls and stuff. They're always like, if you're a new, go against a blue belt or a purple belt. Don't go mm. against some fucking random white belt because you guys are just gonna hurt each other. Um, yeah, that's it's good. My gym's also got a it's got a dick. You know how every gym fight gym's got a dickhead removal policy. Mm-hmm. Um, the one we've got is if a coach notices a dickhead, he'll get like. The most, like, the youngest, most robust, like, blue and purple belts to actually just fucking slam them the whole <laughs> session. And he's like, yeah, nine times out of ten, they never come back. And the one time out of ten, it really humbles them and they end up, like, good, pretty good quality. Um, so... Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's funny. funny, the gym the gym enforcement. I think one time I got asked to do, like, some gym enforcing by a coach. And I didn't even see what the guy did, but I, I had a the uh, black belt i think i was like a senior blue or like a purple belt at the time and he was just like hey paul i need you to roll with this white belt and i need you to go hard and i was like ah i yeah. understand i understand the assignment <laughs> yeah, we- <laughs> just like bow and arrow chokes just everything everything that would give yeah. just dramatic mat burn and it's just like yeah yeah, no, yeah. i love i love the bow and arrow <laughs> I, when i hit that in comp i jizzed my pants i was like yes this is fucking awesome it's like so much leverage and you don't even need like a deep grip you can just kind of hold like pretty low on their lapel because at the end of the day if you get the shoulder over their arm and twist eventually you know you'll get them yeah yeah i've i've loved um kind of like learning my own little submissions and attacks that other people in the class don't know so that you can kind of whip it out because obviously everyone kind of learns similar shit at the same time in the classes so everyone kind of gets used to the passes and stuff so if you whip out like a new little element that no one knew was coming you can actually catch like people a lot better than you in it and then obviously they'll fuck you up next round because they get annoyed (laughs) that they got done by something sneaky but no i love it it's like a it's a game of like really sweaty chess yeah yeah exactly i mean it's it's so it's so much fun and it's so much fun i love training with like the same people because you do get to do that right like they'll learn all of your dumb tricks and they'll develop counters and then you'll learn all theirs and then you'll have to develop new tricks to counter them and it just forces this like you end up with these like banana bananas kind of like evolutions where it's like oh okay i i had a, a buddy of mine who got the brown belt the same time i did 
and we would just like i could see him work through the john donaher dvds right because they would get added to his game like one you know dvd chapter at a time but we would just got to the point where our roles would be like either extremely extremely fast paced we would just cycle through all the moves and counters we knew each other was going to do or they would be almost still because we were just like i'm like if i pass to the left he's going to try to come yeah. me. if i pass to the right he's going to push my head over if i and i'm just like i'm like out of good ideas and i'm even out of bad ideas so i'm just like yeah. when i don't want him to catch me in the same submission again yeah yeah so it's always a lot of fun just to have like they're almost like conversations yeah. sometimes. Yeah, no, I love, I love the fact that you can go hard and kill this person without throwing a single punch and without receiving a single punch. Because that's the thing. I tried little, like MMA and boxing for a while. I think I got rocked once or twice. I was like, "Fuck this!" Like, this is just not what I want to do. Like, it's not even from like, a, "Oh, it could hurt." Because it doesn't hurt. It's like I just don't want to be like you know mentally disabled by fifty because I keep getting punched in the head. Whereas something like JIT is almost more practical because it's all about control and suppress. If you're in a fight, with, especially with a drunk guy, you know you don't want to king hit them and then they die because they hit the concrete. You want to pin them down, put them in a position of, as my coach says, strong negotiation. <laughs> you know, you pick up their arm, be like, you need to settle down or I'm going to break your arm. You know, you're in a powerful negotiating position. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I, I love it. I think it's great. It's that's all my cardio is all jujitsu and stuff. And then I'll throw in gym as well. Like so, we'll go Monday gym, Tuesday jits, Wednesday gym, Thursday jits, Friday gym, Saturday jits. So I'm always kind of like keeping it together. Okay, so is that what you do? You do the uh, every other between lifting yeah. and jujitsu. Yeah, it's good. So I don't have to back up my lifting day, so I can recover from like the heavy shit. And then I also don't always i don't really back up my jits days so i recover from all the fucking contortion shit <laughs> uh, but if i guess i've got a comp or a grading coming up i'll just do like only jits every day just to really get into that killer mindset mm, yeah and so will you have you had to cut weight for any tournaments or competitions yet yes yeah i fortunately um this was pre-covid so i usually sat around 79 kilos 80 kilos uh, a few years ago pre-covid um, and I would cut down to the 77 kilos for the division. It wasn't a bad cut. It was just like, don't pig out for two weeks. And then the, the night before, like, just don't drink water and have a bath and then weigh in in the morning, then drink two liters of water. So it wasn't a huge cut or anything. Um, but now my base weight's like 83 because during COVID, no jujitsu, no cardio, I had a home gym. I was just oh, bulking so fucking hard. I got to 90 kilos from <laughs> 79. Shit. It was fucked. Uh, I, like, it was good. I put on all this strength and shit. And then when JIT started, I lost all that excess fat. But now my new base weight was 82, 83 kilos. Mm. Um, you know, because that's just, I guess, the muscle I gained. My body was more used to being heavier. So the idea of getting back down to 77 kilos is just not, oh, not on my cards. I think I'd just be way too fucked. I think I'd lose. Uh, I, I want to just keep putting on muscle. I'll get to 84 kilos at maybe 10% body fat. I'll just fight in the 77 to 84 um, uh, weight range. Yeah, because if... To do that. I mean, cutting weight for some of these tournaments that are like same day, it's just like it's too much on your body. And like... Yeah, you can't do much. Yeah. Yeah, so you've got to like... If it's MMA and you get that, that day prior... Um, 
you know, different story, right? Like you can recover a lot in 24 hours, but yeah. even now, and also like competitions are so frequent, you know, you could compete. I mean, you could compete every weekend if you wanted to. I know pre yeah, yeah. pre COVID I got it in my mind. I was like, I'm going to compete in 12 tournaments in a year. And I almost pulled it off. Right. I opened up a cut over my eye that stopped me for like a month, but yeah, I just remember after like two, I was like, I will not cut weight for one single tournament. Cause I, I also had two or three where they, where I like, I didn't really cut, I like dieted down. And then they were like, oh, there weren't enough people in your division. We're going to merge you with the next higher division. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, yeah, for JITS, I, I think cutting weight is just not something that you should prioritize. Um, because, I mean, it does help, you know, because it's all the grappling. But, yeah, same day competing, you know, it's regular. And it's not like it's one fight. You know, you're fighting, like, five different guys. So you're getting, you keep getting that adrenaline dump and charge, which sucks. Because you get, like, so fucking nervous. And you've been training with the same people for years, so you feel confident. And then suddenly they call your name up and you go on this mat. You look at this guy you've never met before in your life. You're, you're standing up, which is not, you know, the most common starting position for jiu-jitsu and that guy just wants to fuck you up and you're like oh shit like um so yeah or i because of the adrenaline i got every time i competed i can't remember a single uh tournament fight i've ever done uh, it's all just like blacked out because it's like i think my body thinks it was trauma or something um but i won every single fight ever in every tournament so dude that's awesome I yeah i mean it's nothing crazy it's only been two and then i think it was like five or six fights per tournament so i think this might be 11 out of 11 but and it was white belt as well but i was pretty happy with that because i was never like i was always pretty athletic but i was never like you know one to win a tournament or anything um and especially a tournament of something so like i guess physical and technical and shit um so i was pretty happy uh, to win both and, but that's when I was like, all right, no more competing till I get my blue because I feel like I'm probably sandbagging at this point if I was to compete again. Yeah, it's always a weird feeling to like do really well at a division and be like, uh, okay, it's probably time for me to move along. Like yeah. I sort of had that at my purple belt. I did um, like one of those like like pro pro jujitsu shows. They're they call them fight to win in the states. I don't know if they have them here or in Melbourne, but it's uh it's like sort of invite only they'll they'll usually get like a bunch of like fairly competitive guys from like the local area and they'll give them matchups and they'll be sort of like like the bottom tier of super fights um but i you know i took some fight against another purple belt right beat him i was like yeah and uh found out later he was the masters world bronze medalist last year oh, at wow. purple belt yeah. and so i'm like can i can, can we can we fix this like yeah, who yeah, else do i yeah. have to beat <laughs> like, yeah yeah i mean there's a guy that i in my thing lovely guy who i was competing against um and i fucking flogged him like i smashed him i uh, like it was uh, it was a submission within like a minute or whatever um and he was he was a great guy and stuff and then i saw like i guess like a month later he um got his blue belt at his gym and he was like oh he's this is one of our new assistant coaches he just got his blue belt i was kind of laughing i was like oh <laughs> um okay and then it would take me another i think year and a half to get my blue just mainly because of covid but also just because like 
yeah, I just the gym I was at which just took its time a bit more. Because at the end of the day, a different colored belt doesn't give you, you know, plus 10 stamina or plus 10 strength. It's just a color around your waist. Um, and you will notice that it's, the quality's pretty good, but some gyms, I feel like, are just a little bit too, uh, they give them out a little too easy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, like, the standard, I feel like the standard of blue I'm at right now is, I reckon I would beat pretty much most other four-stripe white belts and new blue belts around, just because I guess the amount of time I spent um, before getting it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's... I, I, I mean, obviously with some limits, but I think erring on the side of a lot more maturing time, because like the blue to white is a big jump. That is a big one, yeah, white to blue, definitely, because that's the, that's the hump where it's like... You know, what, what's the statistic? Like 75 to 90% of people who start jiu-jitsu will never get their blue belt. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and I feel like once you've got your blue belt, it's just like, what do they, and what else do they say? It's like, if you're a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, you can fuck up anyone. <laughs> it's <not like> <laughs> idea. But who's like untrained or who's the equivalent of a different martial art or something. So it's a, it's a huge sign of competency. Like a blue belt should be revered and respected. Yeah, and like that re that represents your gym. You know, like everywhere else you go, they're going to ask you like who'd you get your blue belt under mm -hmm. and like you might be the only person that they ever encounter who's associated with that instructor. So like their opinion of that that gym, that lineage, even like your instructor's instructor is good, could be formed by how you do as a blue belt. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, cuz yeah, you're right. If if you if you wipe the floor with a blue belt and you're a white belt you're gonna be like what the fuck this guy in my gym this guy would have you know absolutely ripped my head off no worries but here you know it feels like he's like a two-stripe white belt um, and i've noticed that as well i've like when i was in um queensland briefly i just did a little class there just to suss it and feel it out and yeah it was like i was hitting the most basic scissor sweeps on blue belts like the most telegraphed obvious non fancy just straight over and i was kind of like i don't know i feel like you know dan from my gym would have sat that saw that laughed at me and just passed my ass like straight <laughs> away like he's like how dare you even attempt this peasant you know, he <laughs> spat on me. Sweet <laughs> me oh <Yeah>. man <laughs> um but yeah no that's a good way to point it it's the reputation because yeah if you're a white belt and someone fucks you up it doesn't matter you're a white belt yeah but a blue belt is almost like a certificate of competency um and if you're actually incompetent, then it's like, who the fuck gave you that certificate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been weird since I've moved down to Texas. I'm uh, training at a gym called Brazilian Fight Factory, and they have a lot of like very, very like top, top tier level players, like ADCC champs. And it's yeah. kind of weird to go in and be like, all right, I'm a brown belt from like another good school right with other you know but like only our head instructor does like those top tier competitions and so for me i'm always just like one i'm surprised at how fast they even like like some of their blue belts are they're not like like universally like their whole game on average is like blue belt but they'll have like one or two areas where they're just like senior purple belts like i had some blue belt just just totally get me tangled up in a in um in a lasso and i was like i have to work really hard to clear this blue belt's lasso like this this yeah, shouldn't yeah. be you know i should be just whipping this by and and passing into into half guard or passing into side control and i'm like 
and I'm like, is this a reflection of my of my training? But then I watch the other brown belts and I realize like, no, this is just sort of how this gym is. Like yeah. this it's just a lot tighter. The spaces between like blue, purple, brown, like they're just yeah, some some gyms I think just either wait a long time or it's like it's like the learning curve is just so steep because of how good the rest of the room is that you just have to like evolve or die, right? And so, yeah, so it's definitely weird being like, okay, I'm coming to the brand new gym as like a brown belt and to be like, all right, I'm I'm carrying my instructor's like reputation sort of on my shoulders, right? Yeah. I, it does definitely get to a point though where once I guess you kind of know the bait, the found all the foundations, you've got your own little game, you've got your own little stuff going on. Eventually, even a black belt won't just like, you know, delete you in one second. You know, they've still got. They're like, okay, this guy's like got the powerful fundamental defense, fundamental stuff. You know, I can't just like click my fingers and get him. Like this has to work. Like I know. So it does, I guess, get to a point where it's not like. Once you're not a white belt anymore, you're not just going to fall for all the easy dumb shit. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting the plethora of standard and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's funny too. There's always there's always more dumb shit. Like for me and some of these like advanced leg lock games, like beyond beyond just like uh, what do they call it? The inside Senkaku like saddle or whatever. Like that next level of like inverted stuff and. I'm just like, where am I here? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm almost like reluctant to defend it because I'm just like, okay, think, Paul. Like, do I turn belly down? Do I turn counterclockwise? Like, one of these ways will rip my ankle out of my socket, and one of these ways will like relieve the pressure of this this yeah. heel hook. And sometimes you're like, <laughs> does he want me to defend, which will just open up another attack? <laughs> if I stay completely still, will it will it confuse him? Like. <laughs> Like I don't know how to I don't know how to attack like you know my the top tier belts in my gym like I don't have a game plan they like they like they'll sit on their ass and they have their hands like this and their legs ready and they're like dude I don't even want to fucking try and pass you right now because I know you want me to try and pass you and you're gonna do something so so I don't know what the fuck to do but that's part of the fun so yeah yeah exactly exactly oh, all right mate I've got a yeah we smashed out some work today yeah um, absolutely so is there anything you wanted to any last questions comments no i appreciate you taking the off? time man it was it was it was a lot of fun it's a lot of fun talking to you I, I and i do appreciate you calling in yeah no no stress it was, yeah it was good usually when people like hey man you want to like do a podcast i'm like oh what's your podcast and they'll have like three viewers and i'll be like oh maybe not like, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah no, it was good no, I'm keen to um, I'm keen to see this up, and yeah, when, once it's ready, send it over. I'll post it on my channels as well, and if people that are keen can go watch it. Oh, cool! Yeah, that'd be great. All right, well, uh, that's all I have. I, I like, subscribe, uh, comment down below yeah. if you have other guests. I don't know anything. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, uh, no, yeah, just one dollar per month. You can get unlimited hentai on my. <laughs> <laughs> we'll no, put it we'll put the link spot. in the description it's, it's just look it just it all it says is patreon right yeah, uh, yeah it's, you know you have to be 18 plus it's fine yeah all right easy mate all right thanks, all right. For that. Have thanks a, a lot day. man take it easy take care